Hey, so I'm so glad that you're here. And at this time, what we're going to do, we're going to shift and turn to our attention to the Scriptures. Uh, we're going to unpack the Scriptures. The Bible says that all Scripture is God-breathed. That means that what we hold in our hands is the most powerful book in the world. It's able to transform our lives. It literally are the, are the, the divine outbreathings of the Almighty. And so we're going to open the Scripture. The Scriptures are going to be on the screen here. If you're able to stand, I'm going to ask you to stand. I'm going to be reading from Joshua chapter 5, verse 13, 14, and 15. So this is your chance to participate. I'm going to read verse 13. I need you to read verse 14, and I'll read the last one here. It says this. This is the word of the Lord. When Joshua was near the town of Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with sword in hand. Joshua went up to him and commanded, Are you friend or foe? The commander of the Lord's army replied, Take off your sandals. The place where you're standing is holy. Joshua did as he was told. You may be seated. And Father, we ask you to bless your word to our hearts. Speak to us things we need to hear, things we would be glad for in this lifetime and glad for in eternity. We pray this in Jesus' name and everyone agreed by saying, the title of the message is Keys to Conquest. Keys to Conquest. What I'm going to do this morning, I'm going to talk about three keys to you having conquest in your personal life and journey. These are three essential spiritual realities that you want to build into your life. So we have read the Bible, we're going to explain the Bible, then we're going to apply the Bible. Three keys, three realities to your life. I think it's important to talk about because Joshua here, you may, we're going to talk about the story Joshua was someone who was facing an immense challenge, a fortified city that was the most fortified, difficult city to overcome in all of the land, in all of the world. And sometimes you can be up against fortified obstacles in life. Maybe you feel like you're facing daunting circumstances. You feel it's scary, it's disorienting, it's overwhelming, it's beyond you. And this tells us how to negotiate that from Joshua. The Bible says, all these things were written for us. And so perhaps you're here and you're experiencing a financial setback or a loss of a job or a serious illness, or maybe your body doesn't work the same anymore. You're under chemotherapy or suffering some kind of loss of a loved one, or your marriage is not good, or you're coming out of a divorce, or you're a widow or a widower, or you're suffering relational loss, and you just got issues. And there's much insight into this about how we can actually uh, conquer like Joshua did in the trenches of life. So if you're familiar with the book of Joshua, and I recognize that some of us are and some of us are not, so I'm going to just get everybody up to speed. Moses, the greatest of all time there, the Bible says, Moses, God's servant, was dead. Joshua stepped into that role. Now Joshua is leading the children of Israel into the promised land, out of the bondage and slavery of Egypt. And now they're about ready to cross into the promised land. They cross the Jordan River. And now they're on the other side. And now they're looking at Jericho. They're facing a formidable obstacle. Jericho was a garrison city established by the Amorites. And it was the most difficult type of garrison city to overcome. Let me show you. This is it right here. This is archaeological digs. I know it's not that clear, but you'll get the idea. So there was two walls. You can see a wall here, a wall here. 
This was discovered by archaeologists in the 1950s. So you have here about a 15-foot wall. On top of that, you got about a 25-foot wall. Then you got this space in between there, which is like the death zone, kind of no man's land. Basically, if you scaled, you found a way to scale the wall, and the children of Israel had no way to do that. They had knives and spears, but no way, no kind of armamentarium to get over that wall. But if they did, then they would be in the death zone where you better say goodbye to your family because you'll never see them again. Because up on the other wall there, that is about another 20 or 25 feet high, there, there would be spears, bow and arrow, and they would kill you there. But if you somehow were able to make it over the death zone, then you'd have to uh, ascend another wall there. So you can see that this is an impregnable fortress. And that's what Joshua, so when we pick up the context here, Joshua is outside the walls of Jericho, looking at the walls of Jericho, about five miles from where uh, the rest of the Hebrews there uh, had been. So that's what he's facing, and that's where the story happens, is in front of the walls of Jericho there. And so verse 1, chapter 5 says this, When all the Amorite kings west of the Jordan and all the Canaanite kings who lived along the Mediterranean coast heard how the Lord had dried up the Jordan River so the people of Israel could cross. Watch, watch. They lost heart. What's it say? They lost heart and were paralyzed with fear because of them. But who did it? It was the Lord that had dried it up. It wasn't them, their works. So now what you have here is you have a people that are crushed. You have a people here that their heart has been ripped out. They're devastated. They're demoralized. They, don't, they, don't, they can't carry on anymore. They were thinking that they knew the powerful Israelites were coming, but yet they had the Jordan River there. And the Jordan River was at flood stage, 50 times bigger than normal. And they knew we've got time to figure it out before they get here. And then Yahweh opens up the Jordan River and they come over on dry ground. Now they're absolutely devastated. They're defeated. They're raising the red flag. I mean, they are tapping out for all you MFC fans out there. And so they're toast. They're thinking to themselves, it's over for us. There was the miracle of the crossing of the Jordan River, which you may know became a memorial to the children of Israel. But that became an intimidating monster to the Canaanites. So overwhelmed, it's melted their hearts. It sucked the very life out of them. But what is God doing? God is preparing a way where it seemed like the fortress, there was no way. It says they heard how the Lord had dried up the Jordan River. See, the kings knew that the children of Israel were going to take some time, but when the waters were split and they walked over on dry land, now they're gripped with fear. Now they're thinking, we are dead and it's over for us. Well, look with me at verse 2, what it says here. Look at verse 2. We're look at it together. At that time, the Lord told Joshua, charge, baby. There'll never be a better, more opportune time. Look at them. Their hearts are melting. Make surgical flint knives and circumcise the second generation of Israelites. What? What is that all about? I'm not signing up. Everybody can have cuts. This is crazy talk. That's funny, and I don't care what you think. It makes no sense at all. 
Baby, it's time to attack. We've got this. Let's get after him now. So God commands them to remain in Gilgal. And it seems like the most strange, most odd, most weird, most counterintuitive, counterproductive, stupidest thing to do to now incapacitate the entire Israeli army, make them vulnerable to attack because they're going to be incapacitated for a few days. But how many people know that Isaiah 55 eight says, for my ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. My ways are past your finding out. So the people of Israel, they're fired up. They're motivated. They're excited. They want to attack. And God says, no, we're going to hit the pause button and you all are going to get circumcised. Like the whole nation is going to get circumcised. Nobody's happy. Nobody's excited, but they obey anyways. All that to say this. See, they were all excited about plan B. They weren't excited about plan A. God's will was plan A to get circumcised and wait and watch what I do. And I wonder how often in life, friends, every one of you here and everyone watching online Every one of you is subject to going after plan B that is not God's will, but it looks better to you than plan A. It's true, friends. It's true. We go after what we can see. This being a picture of the Christian life, though, is to walk by faith and not by sight. And so at that time, at that time, at what time? Put the scripture back up. At that time. At what time? At the most strategic military opportunity to strike at that time. At the time when Joshua said it's time to advance on the long-awaited promised land. There'll never be a better time to go than now. At the time when the enemy is trembling, when they're paralyzed in fear, when they've lost their heart, they're melting in fear. At the time when the enemy seemed like toast, when they were demoralized, discouraged, depressed, defeated, done, at the time to seize the momentum there, God says, let's get out the surgical blades and circumcise everybody. But see, friends, it speaks to us about walking by faith and not by sight. Even though they thought the land is ours for the taking, this is our moment. This is our time to get into the land there, the land of promise. Makes no sense whatsoever. Absolutely, unequivocally ridiculous to do what we're doing. Well, what they did here is they were circumcised. They're out of commission for several days. But here's the reality. They obeyed God. It left them vulnerable. It caused them, left them vulnerable. And it was scary because they were vulnerable. How many people know sometimes obeying God can be scary? Anybody in the house? Yeah, obeying God can be scary. See, but God had a different plan, but it seemed like a very different, strange plan. But how many people know that God's plans are not always our plans? How huh? We just talked about it. Okay, so number one, here's what you need to do and you need to build into your life. At the heart of the issue is an issue of the heart. To what? To obey God. God had all of the men circumcised, 
Which, what does that speak of, friends, to us today? What does that speak of? Speaks to the circumcision of our what? Of our... And so, this is a time for us to recognize that we also need to be circumcised, but the circumcision is of our hearts. A spiritual surgery, which only God can do. An inside job by the Holy Spirit. Because how often can we become more concerned about other things than about Him, following Him? How often can we be well-intentioned and well-sincere and all that, but things spiritual, things eternal, following Jesus, all that becomes peripheral when it once used to be central. And surgery is needed to correct us to the great spiritual reset is the real reset that is needed in our land. And so uh, we're pursuing God again. So the Bible talks about this, talks about be circumcised in your hearts. An inner circumcision there, Deuteronomy 10, 16. Again, the next time in Deuteronomy, the Lord your God, watch, will circumcise your hearts. Watch, it doesn't end with you. If God circumcises your heart, it could continue there to your descendants. Jeremiah, circumcise yourselves to the Lord. Circumcise your hearts. So the scriptures replete with this reality here. So we see that what God is doing in these passages is he's showing that with the illustration of physical circumcision, it points to a spiritual reality that everyone that wants to follow God needs to build into their lives. A physical picture of cutting away the flesh is what the Spirit of God wants to do in your heart of flesh, to circumcise your heart, to remove from our lives anything that is resisting Him, anything that's not submitted to Him, anything that needs to surrender to Him, anything is between us and Him. We need this work in our lives, which we see here in Joshua 5. What does it look like? Sometimes it looks like God's Spirit may nudge you, may prompt you, may stir you, may make real to you, may maybe make you uneasy that something is wrong in your life. And that's the work of the Holy Spirit, trying to get a hold of your attention. So God says to the children of Israel, hey, we need to take care of business here. So the whole nation is circumcised, verse 3. So Joshua made surgical knives in their day, flint knives, and circumcised the entire male population of Israel. It took great faith for them to submit to the right of circumcision. They had to be willing to trust the Lord. They had to be willing to trust God's timing that they were not going to be attacked when they were absolutely incapacitated from fighting. So they had to remove what God was doing here. Number one, getting them to obey him. And what they did is he did He removed anything that would keep them from total surrender to him. Now we're going to look at verse 13. When Joshua was near the town of Jericho, remember that I showed you earlier that, so picture you're there, there's Jericho before him, the double-walled city and all, and there he is, and his head is down. It's a picture of a man with his head down. He's contemplating, he's thinking, he's feeling the weight of of a nation upon his shoulders, looking about, how am I ever going to do this? You know, I may be a military general here, but I've never done anything like this. I don't know what to do. And there's Joshua, and, uh, here's, and it says he looked up. He was near the town of Jericho, but now he looks up and saw a man standing in front of him 
with sword in hand, sword in hand, ready to go to battle. Joshua went up to him and demanded, are you friend or are you foe? So he's looking at this, really it was a, a larger than life, like actually what it is, it's a, what's called a theophany or a Christophany or an Old Testament appearance of God himself. Like God shows up there. So he told Joshua uh, not that he wasn't going to take sides. He goes, who are you with? Like you friend, you foe. You like Joshua or Jericho? My side, their side. He said, I'm nobody's side. I'm on my side and you need to be on my side because I'm here not to choose sides. I'm here to take over. I'm Yahweh. I'm God here. And so Joshua's response then is to fall down. But it says here that he looked up here. Again, he'd been, uh, he walked away from the camp there, and he's looking at the imposing, impregnable fortress of Jericho there. And all his military experience did nothing for him there. It would be like us charging, be like shooting a BB gun or a squirt gun or an airsoft gun those massive walls of Jericho, like, we have no hope. He looked up. Joshua's eyes were fixated downward at the ground in the case with so many times when we are burdened. This is leading up to a very important point here. And then he has a very dramatic, supernatural encounter with this warrior with his sword drawn here, ready to go to battle. I mean, you don't have your sword drawn unless you're going to go to battle and you are ready to fight. So this is a pre-incarnate visitation of Jesus Christ. The visible appearance of God, a theophany. And so what I want to point out is, is this. There's a key to conquest. Yes, you build being obedient, not walking by sight, but walking by faith circumcision of your heart. Yes, you build all of that. But a second key to conquest, a second spiritual reality is this. God is with you. Friends, God is with you. Jesus said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. What did the Lord say to Joshua? As I was with Moses, the greatest of all time, so shall I be with you. I'll be with you like I was with Moses. And so see here, you remember in times of conquest, you are not alone. Gideon said, the angel of the Lord said to Gideon, when he was scared out of his, out of his mind, you are a man whom God is with. You need to build that into your life. I am a woman, I am a man whom God is with. The Lord is with you, almighty mighty man of valor. God is with you. And so how do you think that comforted Joshua? Remember, Joshua's got his head down and he looks up. How do you think that encouraged him? How do you think that strengthened him? That there's God himself, Christophany, where I see all the, this weight of pressure here and there he gets a divine visitation. God is telling Joshua, you don't have to fight the battle alone. There he is, sword, sword drawn and ready to fight. And so when he says to him, are you for us or are you from the enemy? Basically he says, no, neither, nada, no posible, none of the above here. He says, I'm not on your side, I'm not on their side, I'm on my side. I'm on the divine side, 
I'm on the only side, and you should be on my side as well. So, and then he bows to the ground, which also exemplifies the deity of the one that he was before. Because if it was an angel or a man, they would have been, hey, knock it off, Joshua. Don't do that here. We're like, we're just, I'm an angel. I'm a man. But the fact that he received uh, worship there shows it. We're talking about the deity here. So uh, he says, verse 14, neither one. He replied, I'm the commander of the Lord's army. Any question about my identity? There it is. I'm the commander of the Lord's army. I'm the commander of the angelic armies, of the hosts of heaven. That's my bio, and that's who I am. At this it says, Joshua fell, his, uh, fell with his face to the ground in reverence. I'm at your command, Joshua said. What do you want your servant to do? I think there's a message for us here. Watch, watch. He saw who was in front of him. He realized who was in front of him. And I believe that when you get that kind of understanding and grasp and, you know, unveiling and revelation of, of God himself, you will lean into, you will lean into worship and submitting and surrendering your life to the Almighty. And I think sometimes to the degree that you don't see that and you don't get that, and it's all about you, and you are your own God, you miss that bowing before God. Just a picture of what God wants to do in our lives. The spiritual reality, number two again, God is with you. You are not alone. And so I believe you are not alone. Watch for all the students here. You're not alone when you go into school, into a hostile, in teachers, hostile academic environment, increasingly hostile. God is with you when you get the medical diagnosis that you didn't want to get and you're starting chemotherapy. God is with you when you, you can't save the marriage. God is with you when you try to build, you try to build into your life and you have to experience great loss. God is with you when you face financial ruin or an unjust lawsuit or an unexpected letter from the IRS. God is with you when you lose your job. God is with you when you're living in your body no longer works like it used to works. God is with you when you are facing an addiction. God is with you when you're trying to raise your kids or raise your parents or raise a special needs child. God is a God who is with you. Yeah. He's a with you kind of God. That's who he is. And his name shall be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. What kind of us? Not very nice us. Not always good us. But broken us. Sinful us. Verse 15, the commander of the Lord's army replied, Take off your sandals for the place where you're standing is holy. Joshua did as he was told. The place where you're standing is holy. Wait a second. I thought this was a Canaanite's land. Spilled with the blood of hundreds of thousands of babies. The most awful things to the imagination have been done on this land. And you are telling me that the land now is, 
is holy. The cry of infants scream from the ground and you're saying, it's holy. Because I, Almighty God, am here. It's holy. What I want you to do is I want you to take off your shoes. Later in chapter chapter 6, verse 2, God says, I have delivered Jericho into your hands. I am the commander of the Lord's army. I will help you conquer Jericho. And I will do it independent of you, but I will do it with you, and I will do it through you, and you will be my instrument, and I will do it through Joshua's shoes. Joshua would be the instrument in the process, but it would be God in Joshua's shoes there. So we asked Joshua to surrender his shoes, although it would be God who would be working in him and threw him in Joshua's shoes there. I wonder, uh, the Bible says this, how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of them that bring good news. Now why all this, why be so specific about feet? Bringing the good news? I thought it was all about my mouth bringing the good news. I thought it was about my lips, my personality, my mind. For some of you, your voice. But it says, no, it's about bringing your feet. What is that all about? Why does he specify feet? I would suggest that your feet are the first part of anatomy that God needs. If he's going to do his work through us is our feet, which are connected to our hearts. But God requires, friends, the surrender of our feet. And think about it, how often you don't go somewhere that God would have you go because Your feet are not willing to go. How often you won't go to that person to apologize, to do whatever, because your feet won't go. Called to serve somewhere, your feet won't go. How important and how clear is it why he would speak of our feet? God needs to place our feet in the right place before our hands and our lips can fulfill the right task. Got to follow our feet. So by removing his hand, those Joshua gladly acknowledged that the battle was the Lord's and he was God's servant. Friends, who of you among us today needs to remove your sandals? Where God, where it's not longer about you and your ability, your capacity and your whatever, but it's about him and he working through your feet. But you got to acknowledge that. Surrender to that bow before that, figuratively speaking, remove your shoes. So keys to the conquest, spiritual reality, obey God. Surrender your feet, surrender your heart, be willing to walk by faith and not by sight. Choose plan A, God's plan, even though you don't see it. Be open to the spiritual circumcision of your heart. Obey God. Reality number two, God is with you, friends. Remember you're not alone in your conquest in this life. And number three is this, God is bigger than your Jericho. God is bigger than any two-walled fortress that you face. God is bigger than any problem before you. He is able to do more than we could ask or think. So never forget the word of the Lord from Joshua 
chapter 5, which could speak to us for all of our life, keys to the conquest in the Christian life. The worship team would come up. Father, thank you for your word to us this morning. Thank you, Lord, that your word is alive, it's quick, it's powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, and able to divide asunder between that which is fleshly and spiritual. I pray that it would penetrate our hearts, it would speak to us again and again and again. In Jesus' name, amen.